0: I don't sing, I don't dance, I don't do those anymore, anything I don't show, you won't try here anymore.
1: Michael, 35 will not be particularly integral to this episode. However, as a current tale begins, it is pertinent to relate his state of mind after being stood up by Ellen, the second woman to stand him up in a week. Michael realized that Ellen would not respond to his text messages, regardless of their content. Thus, he began a one-sided conversation, sending texts as though the date was a success. It has now been six days since his text began, and to Michael's surprise, there have been no confused replies from Ellen. Bradley, 32, will also be irrelevant to this story a short time after it begins, but a little context informing his character is beneficial to share with you before diving into the first act of today's episode. Bradley is the sort of man who overanalyzes while he overshares. The first line in his dating profile reads, If I have body dysmorphia and a borderline narcissism, am I allowed to brag that I have great hair but lament my garbage love handles? Bradley is sure that his ironic detachment is attractive. He and Michael stand together on a street corner in the East Village.
0: So I don't see what the big deal is. Slider is a very specific thing. All these restaurants are calling everything a slider if it's little, but you can't just take a regular hamburger and reduce its size and call it a slider. So what's a slider? Okay. The slider is a thin piece of beef cooked on a griddle with onions on top. And the onions actually steam on top of the meat and give it a very specific flavor. They also give your clothes a very specific odor This place that we just went to, they had a fucking mini cheeseburger Words have meaning and they need to matter See, this is why you should start a uh, burger blog I will never do that Either way, dude, you should not have screamed at the waiter like that I know He really seemed young, like like 15 Maybe I mean, I, I didn't expect him to cry that hard Oh my god, did you just see that girl? Ooh, the blonde? Oh, she's cute, man She's like a solid eight and a half. Oh, I hate that rating system The whatever out of 10 rating system? Yeah, man it is so misogynist. Reduces everyone down to a number, and then I start thinking about myself, like, she's a nine, so am I, I'm a six, and then it's too much of a gap for me to talk to her, and that's not good for my mind. But if I worked out more and I lost these love handles, I could be a seven, maybe? It just makes me fucking neurotic. I have a better system. Okay, which is? It's way simpler. But in a much more honest way, it's way more complicated, but it's amazing. It ranges from negative one to three. So it's still reducing women to a number. Shut up. You'll like this. It's called breaking binary. <laughs> breaking binary? Again, shut up. It'll make sense. So the system's less about looks and it's more about animal magnetism. Like, the number's derived entirely from how you feel immediately after you see the girl. Or guy. Whatever floats your boat.
1: Hannah, 28, recently left her job at an American multinational financial services corporation for a more fulfilling position at a small but promising tech startup and was riding high off her newfound success. She passes Michael and Bradley on her way from the East Village to a brunch date with her roommate in the West Village, and her attention is captured by the nuances of breaking binary.
0: If you hear their voice, they're immediately disqualified from the system. A negative one is someone that you would never sleep with under any circumstance, as in someone's holding a gun to your head, and you'd rather die than sleep with this person. But everyone wants to live, so no one's a negative one. Zeros are most people. They're fine, I guess. You just don't want to fuck them. And ones are people you're attracted to, Uh, You'd sleep with a one. you want to sleep with a one. And then twos are next-level attractive, like jaw-dropping, traffic-stopping attractive. And the kicker is that they could believe in things that are fundamentally opposed to everything that you stand for, and you'd still want to date them. Seriously date them. Like, plan out their birthday and be cripplingly disappointed if it didn't go exactly how you wanted to date them. But again, they made it commit the frog voice, and it wouldn't matter. That's how attracted to them you are. And then threes aren't real. These are the women of your dreams, and since dreams don't come true, they don't exist. You'd marry a three even if she killed your family and then clipped her toenails all over their dead bodies. The feeling you get when you see a three, it's equivalent to when you sit down to pee because you're tired, and then you also get to poop, even though you weren't expecting it. There are no people that attractive. Bradley Cooper isn't that attractive. Okay, I I think I got it. Let's let's try it. All right, so she's a zero. Zero. One. Zero. Uh, She's a point eight. (laughs) Hold up, point eight? Shit, I didn't explain that part. All right, since most people are either zeros who you wouldn't want to bang or ones who you would want to bang, I've got this mini-system to break down the maybes. Ones you would sleep with completely sober. We've established that. But since you sometimes need a little liquid convincing, for every drink that you'd need to sleep with someone, it's a 0.1 reduction from one. So a 0.8 is two drinks away from me wanting to sleep with her. There's so many numbers. This is way more complicated than the 0-10 to 10 system. And how is this less misogynistic? Well, yeah, man. Like I said, it isn't about looks. It's about animal magnetism. Alright, yeah, it's probably not less misogynistic. But it doesn't require me to rank myself, so it's better. Okay, let me try. Alright, so here we go. Uh, zero, zero. Okay, she's a one.
1: Zero. One. Uh... Zero. God, I sound like a robot. Wait! Breaking binary! I get it! Hannah finds that her interest in eavesdropping has been rewarded by a blow to her faith in humanity. She fumes as she walks westward, away from the corner and toward a reasonably attended brunch hour at the West Village restaurant. As she shrugs off her jacket and descends into a booth that her roommate Carrie is already occupying, she cannot help but sigh. Dispensing with a greeting, she launches into a lament about her recent dating troubles and the conversation she has just overheard while walking across town.
2: So, I'm late, but it's because I slowed down to overhear what these two bozos we're discussing on the street. Okay,
3: first of all, I already ordered for you. You have a bloody on the way. Oh, thank God.
2: One guy who, trust me, was no 10 and his similarly attractive friend... Take a breath. They came up with some nonsense called breaking binary. Like ones and zeros? Yeah, but they were like chicks overcomplicating it.
3: Okay, so they added in other numbers to the binary system? They sound like morons.
2: They were, but I was interested, so I stuck around and listened to them for a while. You know how nosy I get. They added twos and threes to this winner of a system. Like, a two is Gigi Hadid, hot and unreachable, and a three is even more unattainable. It's like a Giselle Bundchen, like so beautiful, you can't even
3: look at her. It's like staring into the sun. Ugh, I'm not listening to this anymore. I don't care about how hot other women are, this conversation is giving me anxiety.
1: Carrie, 28, met Hannah at a fancy dinner party three and a half years ago in a little Italy loft. Carrie had attended alone, while Hannah had attended with her former best friend Donna. Donna had found herself in conversation with Carrie, but wanting to quickly end it so that she could talk to an attractive man nearby. She pawned Carrie off on Hannah, claiming the two would hit it off. Indeed, Carrie and Hannah hit it off, and Donna spent the night chasing after a man who had no interest in her. Carrie and Hannah remain friends.
2: But I didn't even tell you how they categorized the maybes. I don't care. Fine. So, did you hear about that huge fire around the corner from us? No.
3: How close? Did anyone die?
2: I don't know any of the details, but it was on the building around the corner with a laundry place on the ground floor. Sebastian texted me asking if we were okay because he saw so many fire trucks by us. So, I took a walk and saw like 25 and giant flames shooting out of the roof. That's crazy. I know, and it got me thinking about what we would do if, God forbid, that happened to us. Like, what would I
3: grab? And should we get renter's insurance? Is that, like, a worthwhile thing? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, these things do happen, and it's good to be prepared. But don't drive yourself crazy, either. You know what? I would grab Chewy.
2: Obviously! We couldn't leave that little Cheweenie dog behind. So after thinking about what to do in a fire for hours last night, I found myself on a Doomsday Preppers website.
3: And I think we should make bug-out bags. Of course you did, and you're freaking me out. What is a bug-out bag?
2: Well, it just seems logical. You know, it's like a bag that you pre-pack with essentials just in case of something like The Walking Dead. Okay, no. My bug-out bag will have Xanax
3: and maybe dog food.
2: Well, you don't need a whole bag for Xanax, but like a copy of your passport, first aid kit, flashlight, like a small
3: thing of food, maybe a space blanket. You really went off the deep end, Hannah. I'm not doing that. I guess I'll just be risking it, but I won't care about this.
2: Okay, fine. So I guess I'll be fighting the zombies off by myself. Because you're going to try to like cuddle them or something. But seriously, though,
3: should we get renters insurance? Maybe. But tell me about your date before your descent into insanity last night.
2: Honestly, not much to say. He was painfully awkward. We had one of those nothing conversations, you know, the ones that just go back and forth without saying anything substantial. Oh, yeah, you hate those. Who doesn't? I mean, it's just sounded so, like, rehearsed. And then we talked about travel, which is usually, you know, my go-to, but it was still painful. Like, yeah, 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 that sounds like an adventure. Hmm, I love adventures. That guy. And then when the bartender asked if we wanted another glass of wine... I said no,
3: but he said yes. No. So you were stuck there for another 30 minutes? Yes. But on to the next. You have another date tonight, and I have a good feeling about this one.
1: An hour of tipsy primping later, Hannah arrives at a Soho cocktail lounge exactly three minutes late. She meets Vlad, 32, who she matched with on her dating application a week and a half ago. Vlad is a perfectly boring gentleman who, despite working in accounting, one of the safest jobs in New York, can't orgasm without prostate stimulation. Hannah and Vlad order the first round of drinks and cozy up in one of the many comfortable booths.
2: So, you just moved?
4: Yeah, my new place is in Crown Heights. It's actually my first time living on my own. There's still boxes everywhere, but I want to try to have a housewarming party next weekend.
2: Do you think it will be ready, then?
4: Well, between you and me, I'm only having the party for the gifts. But my parents are just in Jersey, so they'll be able to help set up.
2: So you're close with your family then?
4: Um, yeah. My parents are really cool. Well, sort of. I actually feel pretty awkward about something that happened last weekend.
2: What? They walked in on you watching porn or something?
4: Ah, uh, No, not quite. My mom thought my dad and I are pretty stressed out, so she got us these massages.
2: Dope! Who doesn't love massages?
4: Exactly! So I'm laying there, and things are feeling pretty great. Seems like it's winding down, but the masseuse starts getting a little handsy and starts moving towards my junk. And then all of a sudden things really get going. Now, I'm not one to pay for such things, but like it was already happening, so I just kind of let it.
2: Wow! That was unexpected.
4: Yeah, you're telling me. And after it was over... (laughs)
2: Like, you mean you came?
4: Uh, yeah. I laid there for a minute, and my mind started racing with all these thoughts. Like, did my mom mean to get us happy endings? Did she just pay for sex for us? Did my dad also get a handjob? And does that mean he just cheated on my mom? Do I ask him if he, uh, you know, got the same treatment as me? And what if he says no and asks me why I didn't stop her? Should I leave her a bigger tip now? And how much does one pay for such a thing?
2: I am actually speechless with this story. So, (laughs) what did you do? Did you find out if he got the happy ending too?
4: Well, I felt so uncomfortable about the whole thing. I just kind of pretended it didn't happen.
2: So we don't know if that's what your mom intended to do.
4: We know nothing, and I didn't have any more cash on me for a higher tip, and I couldn't very well ask my dad for more because I couldn't tell him why.
2: I have to say, I have a lot of thoughts, but mostly I just feel really bad for the masseuse. She got chipped out of her large handy J-tip.
4: I didn't ask for it.
2: But you didn't stop it either.
4: Anyway, tell me about your date.
2: Sure. I had brunch with my roommate earlier in the day, which is always fun. On my way over, I overheard these two guys talking about how they rate women. Tell me what you think about the system they came up with.
4: Uh, sure, but I feel like this might be a trick question.
2: No, no, no. I want your honest opinion here. I mean, you just told me your mom sent you to a happy ending massage, so no judgment. Touche. They call it Breaking Binary, and zero is a no, one is like a yes, and they added in all these subcategories, like twos and threes.
4: Hmm. All right, I can see that.
2: You can?
4: Well, yeah, I mean, the twos and threes are the crazy hot chicks that you would fuck no matter what, because they're just that hot, right?
2: Yeah, how'd you know?
4: Um, makes sense.
2: Um, no it doesn't. And it's just as misogynistic as rating someone 1 through 10.
4: Hey, I didn't make it up, and I never said it was
1: okay.
2: But you agree with him?
1: Not necessarily. Vlad is backtracking, realizing that the likelihood of intimacy was decreasing by the moment. He finds himself thinking that the right course of action in this situation is to hint at his sexual proclivities and see if Hannah is amenable.
4: I just think that what they were probably getting at is that, you know, there are women who are so attractive that it doesn't matter what they're into. You'll just go with it. Like, I don't know, maybe you're not even into anything like this, but you're attractive enough that if you were into weird stuff, like, I don't know, a foot fetish or nipple clamps or playing with guys' butts, I'd go for it because you're at least a two.
2: Oh, That's cool. So, do you have any decor ideas for your new place?
4: A couple. Um, For instance, you see that guy's tennis bag over there? I have a similar one. It's where I hide my sex
1: toys. Vlad is floundering, hoping in his desperation that these hints at his adventurous sexual nature would be the Hail Mary redirection that would allow him to see Hannah's home decor.
2: Whatever.
1: The date concludes as Vlad walks Hannah three blocks to her apartment. Hannah accepts a brief make-out session as three whiskey-based cocktails have done away with some of her inhibitions. She finally breaks free and ascends two flights of stairs into her converted two-bedroom apartment. She opens the front door.
3: Carrie! Are you awake? What? Oh, hey, yeah. I'm in bed. Come in. How was your night? You have five minutes before I need to pass out. I'm doing Pure Bar at 8 a.m. tomorrow and need to sleep. You are my
2: exercise goals.
3: You're actually slurring your words.
2: I am not. Shut up! Anyway, he was cuter than I thought he would be based on his pictures, and he seemed normal enough at first, aside from his very Dracula-adjacent name. But then, he started talking about all this weird sex stuff, like, dude, chill. This is a first date, and it's not even a dinner, we're just having drinks here.
3: Sounds like you had a lot of drinks, so you never want to see him again?
2: Maybe I would. He was a good kisser.
3: Dracula Jason. What was his name? Vlad. Oh, Hannah, I think we did it again.
2: We did what again? Why are you pulling up your Jason? Oh, shit. Let me see it. Yep, that's him. Let's see what this little pervert said to you.
3: He seems fine, but we barely spoke. Here, give me my phone back and I'll unmatch him.
2: I think we need to resume our weekly bass touching again.
3: That sounds disgusting. I am not touching your base.
2: You know what I mean. We have to share who we're talking to on here so we don't double dip.
3: Fine, let's do it after work tomorrow. Now get out of my room.
1: Too Old to Date was created by Mike Tanzillo and Brad Garoon. This episode was written by Jessica Rosen, Brad and Mike, with production assistance from Toby Singer. Our theme music is Loveless by Go Go Ghost. Stalk us on social media at Too Old to Date. If you have questions, comments, or the unbearable desire to be an angry troll, email us at info at com. Want to share your dating stories? Give us a call at 718-559-1040 and leave us a message with your story. If we get really good ones, we'll play them on the show. For more info, visit tooltodate.com. And while you're there, consider leaving a donation. It will help us make more shows, pay for more dates, and... <clears throat> Maybe give the night a raise Zack is now
0: and we will glow and i'm saying anymore